Praise God. I was sitting there in the baptism and, and there were a lot of kids and I was like, wow, there's so many kids. And the Lord said, whoa, put his hand on my shoulder. Like, like slow down. This, he said, don't hinder them. This, this is the kingdom stuff. This is the stuff of my kingdom. And I just did, we just love the fact that Northland's kids would be dedicated to the purposes of God. And I, I just wanna encourage parents, you have authority over your child. God gave you that child. He didn't make a mistake. He knows what he's doing. He gave them to you and you have the authority. God given authority to direct their lives. And the Bible says you should love them with all your heart and you should continually direct them in the way that they should go. That is your responsibility as a parent and do not let anybody tell you that that's not yours. That's your right and your responsibility and in the spirit, you have tremendous authority to determine what happens to your children. So let's keep praying for our kids because our kids are gonna see something that is unheard of as yet. Praise God. Carrying on in our end series, and today I'm talking about who I am in His kingdom. We've been talking about who we are in Christ, and today this is the beautiful change and uh, step into uh, looking at who we are in the kingdom. The beauty and the, the amazing stuff that we've been looking at, the great things that come into our lives because we've been brought into Jesus. It's a drastic all-inclusive revolutionary transformation that took place everywhere, in our person, in our position, in our potential, everything, all things, has become completely new. We truly have become new creations because we're in Christ. The old has absolutely gone. The brand new has already come when you're in Christ. This is the majesty of the gospel that we're called to preach, and it's the power of Jesus' finished work. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, the well-known in the Young's literal version says, so that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things did pass away, and lo, become new, have all things. This is the Yoda version. It's the literal translation from the, the Greek to the, <laughs> become new, have all things. Anyway, so I, I was, it was plays in my head. I, I wanted to put it in the literal because that's the reality. It's like, not, not this, may, this may be still happening to you. This might happen in the future. If you are in Christ, you have become new everything about you. And we've examined that, that, that beauty and we've looked at that for the last couple of weeks and if you weren't part of it, I, go and listen to the sermons. It'll help you catch up. But there's a, there's a reality that once I'm stepped into Christ, everything about me is new. Every, my potential, my position, my person, I've become brand new. And there's this whole inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus. Basically, I have a brand new life. I have new values. I have new principles of the kingdom that are diametrically opposed to the principles that govern the fallen world. Uh, we're told if your enemy is hungry, you should feed him. We're told that the one who has the greatest authority in the room is the one who served the most. We're told that the Father rewards the secret things in a world where everything's about brand in public. It's a, it's a very different kingdom. But the point is, that when we step into this kingdom and when we're in Christ, there is so much for us to learn. There's so much wisdom for us to acquire. And although Jesus' work on our behalf, his, his sacrifice on the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection is perfect and finished and needs no addition, there remains for you and I a lifelong acquisition of wisdom, a constant renewing of our minds because now that we are in Christ, there is so much that we need to learn about all of this majesty that he brought us into. 
It's not as though we stepped into Christ and suddenly we understood everything about the kingdom. No, there is a constant growth in knowledge. There is a constant growth in grace. There's a constant growth in our faith. These are necessary growing points that are going to be part of our lives for the rest of our lives. So there's no room for arrogance. There's no room for for complacency. There's just this joyful gratitude that all of this is mine and I don't know how to use it all yet. But boy, I'm looking forward to trying. It's going to be a fun journey. We understood, as we looked at the reality about being in Christ, that not everything that is lawful for me is helpful for me. Not everything that's lawful is helpful. And not everything that is lawful is liberating. Paul said, I can do all things, but not everything's helpful. I can do all things, but I won't be put into bondage by anything. Not everything that is lawful is helpful. Not everything that is lawful is liberating. So, so we have to learn to discern while I am free to do anything that I choose because I can, I can claim that I'm in Christ and therefore you can't tell me what to do. I know. That's on Paul's writing because there were some people who were just being stupid and stubborn with like, well, I'm in Jesus. You can't tell me what to do. And Paul said, yeah, yeah, that's, tr- that's true technically. But not everything that's lawful for you is going to be helpful for you. Some things that you're doing are going to be hurtful to you, and I'm just trying to save you that. He said, I do have a message of wisdom for the mature. And if you want to grow up, then let me impart some wisdom to you. So, so we, we understood that once we come into Christ, there is this yearning, there is this hunger, there's this eagerness for wisdom. Lord, could you teach me how to walk well? I want to walk well. I want to represent accurately the, the profound difference that has been made in my life. And sometimes we poorly represent the powerful work that God has already done in us by living according to our old way of life. So, what we do is we set our hearts boldly to ap- appropriate and reckon on the truths that are, uh, that are true about us when we came into Christ. There is a new me and there is a new you, and I have to claim that. I have to demand it. I have to step into it by deliberate decision. I have to deliberately throw off what belonged to my old and, de- and, and by process embrace what belongs to my new. Even though it's already it happened on the inside of me, I have to now live that out. I have to demonstrate that reality. I can't keep doing what was old because I have become new. It's inappropriate now for me to be doing uh, uh, filthy things because I've been made holy. And so Paul Paul writes and he says, live up to the calling that you've already received. Be holy because you've been made holy. Now walk in a holy manner. So it's vitally important for you and I to embrace who we are in Christ. In Christ, uh, the old me was circumcised off me. That sinful nature that was given over as a slave to sin, Jesus cut it away. I was made, I was put to death. I was buried with him. I was raised with Jesus to a brand new life. I was seated with Jesus in heavenly realms. I was filled with his spirit. I was blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And so were you. And and because I'm in Christ, there is now therefore no condemnation for me. I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been brought extremely near. Everything about my life has become new, but if I'm going to walk in the reality that I have to start appropriating by deliberate decision and start claiming this is who I am in Christ. 
And when the world comes to you and says, you know, you, you need to die to your passions because you know, Jesus said you have to crucify yourself. I can boldly proclaim that when I was baptized into Jesus, I was baptized into his death and I no longer live and that he now lives in me and that I've been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to me by the cross of Jesus and that my old self was cut away by the hand of Jesus when I was circumcised by faith and I no longer am that person, but I am a brand new creation. Right? But you have to own that for you. Because I can't own it for you. I can own it for me though. And when the enemy comes to say, oh, you're far away from God and you're unworthy of his love, I can boldly proclaim that I, who was once very far away, have now been brought very near. And I'm currently one of his beloved children of the Most High God and I'm a member of his own household and I'm an heir of God and I'm a joint heir with Jesus and that God himself has qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints of the light. So our, my worthiness to be right here, your worthiness to be right here is the power of the cleansing blood of Jesus and the qualification of God himself who qualified you in order that you might share this inheritance. And there is therefore now no, say it with me, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now I have to own that because I promise you the world and the enemy is going to come challenge that. Do, do you really know who you are in Christ? So I have to embrace it. So once again... It is important for us to know who we are in Christ because Paul again and again admonishes people, you need to reckon on this. You need to act on this. You need to think. You need to function as though this is true because it is true. Stop functioning as though this is not an established work already in your life. Reckon on the fact that you died with Christ and your life is now hidden with Christ in God and you were raised. Don't you know? Didn't they teach you this, Paul said? So we've, we've been looking at that for the last two weeks and it's been glorious and wonderful and we could spend months on those. But just as equally as important as who I am in Christ and who you are in Christ is who I am in his kingdom. Uh, it's equally as important for our productivity in the kingdom that we have an understanding of who we are in this kingdom. Who we are in Christ is the special privilege that is shared by millions and billions of believers the world over. But who you are in his kingdom is a uniquely specific call to you. Discovering, believing, and living into my identity in the kingdom is as vitally important as the identity that flows from being in Christ. Because my assignments, the things that God prepared in advance for me to do, are based on the identity that God gave me. See, when I was created in my mother's womb, Psalm 139 said, you knit me together in my mother's womb. God built you together. He built in graces and gifts and abilities into your life so that you could accomplish what he designed you to do. He, he, he didn't randomly assign gifting to you. God has a dream. He has things planned for you to accomplish. And so when he formed you in your mother's womb, he built into you what was necessary for you to get there, you were created by God for the things that he called you to do. And then the Bible says, when you came into Christ, you were recreated in him. You are now his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God the Father prepared in advance for you to do. 
It's not a small thing. God, is, God wired you in a certain way and Jesus gave life to your spirit so that you could walk in the things that God dreamed up for your life. And there are many of them. And the assignments on your life come from the identity that God calls you to. And so this is the reality. If the enemy can get you to step back from your identity, he can steal your kingdom assignments. So when you step in by faith and you have encounters with God, they can help you achieve certain victories in God and you can attain certain places. But if you're going to, if you, the only way to sustain the victories that God gives you is to step into the identity in the kingdom that God gives you. Faith will get you victories, but identity will sustain you in a lifestyle. Otherwise, you think I'm an imposter. I got lucky. Yeah, that was just God's grace. God called you to walk in, in, in a, say, let's, let's say part of the calling of God is that you walk in a gift of healing. Then you pray for somebody once and they get healed and you go, well, that was just the ineffable, unknowable will of God that just happened and that's probably not me. But if you understand this is who I am, you begin to step into it. And even when you pray for people and they don't get healed, you still say, but this is part of what God's called me to. I don't understand. I'm gonna take responsibility for that. I'll figure it out. But this is something that God's called me to and you still press in towards your identity, never mind the assignment. Because assignments flow from identity. Identity doesn't flow from assignment. How much time do we have? Okay, I'm not gonna go down that rabbit trail. I had a really good rabbit trail for you. King David is basically our model for this in scripture. He was a man who was shunned by his family. He was little regarded, rejected even. He was living out in the fields while the rest of the family are living in, the, in a secure home. But he was a worshiper. He was a lover of God and a protector of sheep. And as such, he was exemplary. He was a skillful player he, he, because he was just faithful at it. He just worshiped the Lord often. And a fierce warrior as he protected his sheep. So he, a lion and a bear come during the course of him being faithful and diligent and he attacks the lion and the bear and kills them in the cause of the duty of doing what is right. And so I just wanna bring us to the first idea that I wanna just settle in your heart. Diligence and faithful in your current assignment will attract heaven's attention for your future assignments. See, so often we go, well, ah, they gave me something to do, but it's not, it's, not, it's not in the spotlight, it's not on the happy side of town, I'm just, I'm just here in the dark doing my thing, and I, I can't wait till my moment on the stage, until they put the spotlight on me and somebody gives me my microphone, then you're gonna watch me shine. And I think, no, 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 actually the truth is, what you do in the secret places, in the, in the diligent and the faithful moments, that's more important than anything else you do in public because diligence and faithful in your current situation will draw and attract heaven to what is to come. Because if you can't be faithful with a little, no one will give you a lot. That's what Jesus said, that's the basic principle. So he gives you something and it's little, it's not a lot, little. And he watches what you do with it. So despite this fact that uh, David was devalued by his family. He, he remained diligent and faithful. See, Jesus said a hireling will run away because he's hired and he's watching the sheep, but then when a wolf comes, he goes, yeah, I'm out, and he runs away, and the sheep get marauded, but a real shepherd will go and attack the, sheep, the, the, the wolf. And so David's out there being diligent, just worshiping and hanging out with a few sheep in the desert, and a lion comes and he kills a lion, and then he kills a bear, and because he, he's prepared 
at least on two occasions, to lay his life down on behalf of the sheep. And so a little bit while later, when God rejects Saul as king, he says, uh, you were not listening to me. I'm not going to have you as king. And God says, I need to find another king. He goes, I know. I, I know one. I know there's a young shepherd here who, who, who lays his life down for the sheep. I want that guy to come lead my people because that's the kind of shepherd I want. Don't give up on diligent and faithful service even when you think it's unseen. Because you serve the God whose name is the faithful and true witness. And Hebrew says, before whose eyes nothing, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we give an account. That's who you're serving. You're not serving people because people will only see what you do for them in public. But God sees the secret, loves the secret, watches the secret. So faithfulness and diligence do not remain hidden. They always surface when a crisis comes. And the crisis will come. And when the, when the moment hits, people will go, who's the faithful people? We're the diligent people. We need them. Can somebody just go find them? Don't call them. People walking in the fields past David would hear this melody, this worship, and they would stop and they would just listen from afar. And it became known around them. Have you heard uh, the Bethlehem shepherd worship? I think it's one of Jesse's boys. And the local doctor who patched up the people had to patch up some scratches from the lion and the bear when David came to him and he was still wearing the lion and the bear skins. And he was like, you did what now? You, you, you went after the bear? What, what, what were your weapons? Well, I had a stick and, a, and an attitude. <laughs> it became known. See, see, your faithfulness and diligence, even though you're not doing it for people, eventually will out and, and it draws, most important, draws heaven's attention. Mary said, the Lord has regarded my humble estate. See, heaven, heaven functions on a different, different thing. So when Saul has this evil spirit tormenting him, people say, uh, we know a young guy might help. Let me take you to the scripture. One of the servants answered and said, Look, I've seen a son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, who's skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor. He's brave. He's a man of war. He's a warrior. He's prudent in speech. He's handsome. And the Lord is with him. Six qualifications. David was a rejected, David said, even though my father and mother reject me, the Lord won't reject me. David had been rejected by his family. He's out in the middle of the fields. He's not in a great place. He's the lowest of the low. He's not being celebrated, but he's being diligent. And that diligence, when the moment comes, is, is heralded, is, is vaunted in the presence of the king. I know a guy. Let me tell you about six things about this guy. And David never said one of them about himself. The secret to diligence and faithfulness in obscure places is to let it move you to seek the Lord and to find solace in His presence, to draw strength from Him, to settle your heart, find rest, cry aloud. And if you're in one of those places where you're saying, God is not seeing, why am I just having to be diligent? I just want to say, let that urgency of the moment drive you to seek the Lord. The habits of obscurity become the practices that sustain us in our assignments. Let me say that again. The habits of obscurity become the practices that sustain you in your assignment. David said, my soul finds rest in God alone. 
It's one of the Psalms he wrote. Though my mother and father reject me, the Lord will not. Rescue me, Lord. Why are you so far from the words of my groaning? These are all Psalms that David wrote. They came out of his heart so that when he became king, these were all the realities that he had already worked through in the assignment. So let your current circumstances draw you closer to the Lord. Number two, I want to say grab hold of God's words to you. God's Sabbath is a Sabbath of achieved purpose. God didn't rest because he was exhausted. God rested because he'd accomplished everything that he wanted to. God's Sabbath is a Sabbath of achieved purpose. God, when he's committed something to you, he doesn't end before he finishes. And if you're still in process, it means God hasn't finished with you yet. God is going to rest on your life with achieved purpose. God has a promise over your life and you haven't seen it yet means that it's still in the, in the pipeline. He's still working a work in you. He's still dealing with you. And God is on a journey with you to bring you to the place where everything that he spoke over you is true. Now what God says in this time is important for you to embrace. Cling to it because it will be tested. I don't have time. I had the scriptures up here, but let me just tell you the story. Samuel, the Lord says, I'm tired of Saul. I want you to go anoint one of Jesse's sons. So Samuel comes to Bethlehem and the whole city, all the elders come out and they're trembling because Samuel is, is the guy, he's a dangerous man in the spirit. This guy can, he's, he's making nations rise and fall and kings come and go. So when he showed up at the, at the city of Bethlehem, they were nervous. They said, did you come in peace, man of God? And he said, yes, I have. I've come, I'm gonna have dinner with Jesse. And so everyone's like, ooh. And so Jesse, uh, Jesse, and they do, and, and, and he says, uh, let's have a feast. And uh, he's waiting because the Lord told him one of Jesse's sons. And so the first three sons come, Abinadab, uh, sorry, it's, it's Eliab, Abinadab, and Shema. And, and I, uh, uh, there was lots to do, but the Lord rejects them by name. And then he says, you also none of the other brothers. And then he says, isn't there another son? He goes, um, I, yeah, we got David's out in the field. He goes, get him. And so they anoint him in the presence of his brothers, the Bible says. Now, the, the, imagine the whole town is now interested. Why, why did Samuel come to your house? Uh, so in front of his family and in front of these brothers who were rejected, David is anointed by the prophet. And you'd think that now suddenly, because the, Samuel, it's like the president of the United States shows up at your door and comes into your house and there's a meeting. What would you, you know, people would want to know, right? But do they treat David any differently? No. It's business as usual in Jesse's household. It seems that the only person who embraced David's call was David. It's a mistake to think that other people are going to embrace your call more than you will. It's a mistake to assume that other people are going to fight for your identity. You have to do it. That was with the price of admission for some people right here. You don't have to run around proclaiming it or boasting about it, but you, you personally, internally must cling to it and read it and reread it and pray about it and meditate on it and discuss it with people that you trust and who love you. Because the enemy knows that if he can steal your identity in the kingdom, he can thwart your assignments in the kingdom because your assignments will come from your identity. But the world and its structure is not going to help you in your kingdom assignment 
although God will use the world in your life, but you have to say, I believe that. And so you have to cling to the word of God because David had to cling to that moment when he was anointed and proclaimed as king because for the next 13 years, he's gonna be hounded and every sort of libelous lie was gonna be told about him. He was gonna be accused. He was gonna be belittled. He was gonna be shunned by his friends. He was gonna be kicked out of towns. He was gonna be betrayed by people. This was going to be his life. And the only thing that kept him going was his trust in the word of God. So the three elders follow Saul to war. And, uh, and so Eliab, whom the Lord said, I have rejected him. And Abinadab, who the Lord said, I've not chosen this one either. And Shammah, and the Lord says, nor have I chosen this one. Those were the three. And David goes to take them. And he hears Goliath. And then he goes, because uh, people are discussing what will be given to the guy who kills Goliath. And David's like, that's fascinating. What, and so he's asking, what's the price? Because he's already settled in his heart. I'm going to go slap this giant. And his older brother finds out, and he says, with, this is fascinating, with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how wicked and conceited you are. You've come here only to watch the battle. So his brother manages to belittle his, like, you have a few sheep in the desert, that's really your space. And he, and he maligns, he said, you have a, w- a wicked heart. And God had said, that's the purest heart in Israel. And he said, you've only come here to watch the battle. And David had already decided he's going to go kill Goliath. His brother missed it on every count. Sometimes we're waiting for other people to recognize our identity in the kingdom. And it's not up to other people. Most of the time, other people are going to miss your identity in the kingdom. Don't blame them. It's not on them. It's on you to grab hold of what God said to you and say, I'm going to stick with this. It's so much more to say. We're going to move on. Don't let the tension between what you see now and the promises that you don't yet see cause you to get stuck Faith in what God has spoken is the way. Do not put your faith in the bucket of what your eyes can currently see. Put your faith in the promises that God has made. That's the place for faith. So you and I have to go and make a deliberate effort of, Lord, what have you said? What are you saying to me? That becomes paramount. It's all important. And in your identity in the kingdom, that's it. Other people can later on confirm that. But for now, you and I need to say, I am going to be voracious about what God has said to me. This means that, uh, that you and I have to be deliberate about this. I'm rushing through because I run out of time. So let me go. How do I pro- prioritize God's word? Number one, I revisit encounters I've had. There are many of you will have had encounters with the Lord. Those moments, just in any relationship, Michelle and I speak every day, but there are some times when we disconnect and the moment is right and we talk for hours and we talk at a level and there's a sweetness to that moment. And you and the Lord are gonna have those moments. They're gonna be times when God just, you and God just connect. You have encounters, there's, there's sweet encounters. He always lives inside of you, but there are different moments. And I'm talking about those moments of encounter when you've met with God, when you had a connection, when something changed in your heart, you wept or you just, it was just revolutionary. I want to dare you, if you want to find out who your kingdom assignments, go back in your heart and head to those moments of encounter. And I want you to sit and meditate on them because if they've been given to you, you can access them at any time. 
Deuteronomy 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that have been revealed, they belong to us and to our children. If God revealed a part of his nature to you, it is your inheritance. You can step up at any time and access it again. So if you had an encounter with God, if there was a moment when he whispered about his love for you, if you had a connection with him in any way, go back to that. Revisit the encounters because the encounters God gave you speak to who you are in his kingdom. Number two. Study your life scriptures. Life scriptures are those scriptures that always seem to jump up and bite you in the heart. You're reading them and they, and they just, man, it's poignant. It's, it means something. It's, it's, and you, you come back to it and you think about it. And every three or five years, somebody goes, hey, I just was praying for you. And I just feel like this scripture's for you. Or you read it again in another version and it jumps out and bites you again. And you go, there's something about this scripture and I that are connected I, f- I feel my identity is connected with the scripture. Now, I just want to say, take those scriptures, four, five, six of them, however many they are, and put them all in one document. I dare you. And just take some time and read them and pray through them and say, Lord, what are you saying to me about me? Because oftentimes in the scriptures that resonate with you deeply, God has embedded part of your calling in them. And when Michelle and I did this, we, we did this many years ago, and we just, we just had these two lists of, I gave her one, I gave one, we sat with markers, and we just, we went through, we prayed through them, and just marked up, that's what the Lord is saying, that, that thing really resonates with me. And we began to see this amazing, amazing pattern of synergy, that God has been speaking to us for 35 years, and we just like, oh, oh now I get it. It's embarrassing how long it took the Lord, how kind he was to repeat it. No, 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 really. I want you to reassign the desolate inheritances of my church. Uh, Okay. I called you. But I can't tell you the freedom that came to Michelle and I when we understood who we are. Not what my assignment is. Who we are. My identity in the kingdom. Your identity in the kingdom. is very important. Because my assignments now flow from my identity. It doesn't matter where I am. My identity remains true. I've got to tell you this. John 13, Jesus understands. He came from God. He's going back to God. And that God has put all things under his authority. Every every angelic being in the heavens is standing to attention, waiting for his command. Every human being, everything on the planet is under his authority. Every demon in hell is petrified. In that moment of revelation, Jesus knows I am the absolute master of all things. I came from God. I'm going back to God. And he's, boom, revelation, absolute certainty. What a clarifying identity. And he gets up and he puts a towel around his waist and he takes the most menial service place in the room. And that's to wash the feet of his disciples. And his identity is completely unscathed by the, by the assignment he chooses to obey God in. Once you get clear in your identity, your assignment, whether it's high or low, if it's in service to God, is always high. If your identity is not settled, you're always seeking for the high assignment. <laughs> There's about three people that's going to really help you. If your identity is not settled, you become insecure and you're always fighting for who's the best. Who do you think is the best among us? 
And then number three, pray through your prophetic words. What are the prophetic words that God has spoken over you? Key prophets who came and said, this is what the Lord says of you. Maybe some of you need to dust off some of those old prophetic words that you got hidden and, and they're lying in different drawers all over the house. Put them all in one place, one binder. Okay, this is what the Lord has spoken over my life. This is what the Lord is saying to me. You'd be amazed if you go read them all in one shot how consistent the Lord has been about your life and about your identity. And I dare you to read the assignments that are spoken about in those prophetic words. Read them with an ear for what is my identity and let's see what the Lord will say to you about who you are. Because friends, who you are in God's kingdom is massively important for your productivity in the kingdom. I don't have to waste time trying to do something that I wasn't born to do. Because somebody else thinks it's a good idea. I'm completely freed up to be who I am and to respond to my Father's voice in this current set of circumstances. My identity remains the same. I am who I am. And so the question just is, what's my current assignment? Little homework. For those who are hungry. I dare you. Make a list. Go back in your, in your time with the Lord on the encounters you've had. Remember your favorites. Go back there. Say, Lord, do it again. Because you can. Because the things that he revealed, they are for you and they're for your children. So you can go back there anytime. God meant for you to understand it about him. Go there. The life scriptures that he's given you, put a little diligent effort into it. It's going to cost you a little something. It'll work. You have to love God with all your mind sometimes. You know why? Because God loves you with all his mind. God loves you with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's why he told you to love him back. He's not asking you for some cruel and unusual thing. He's going, no, that's how I love you. God constantly exercises his mind on your behalf. For, for us to exercise our mind on his behalf is a, is a valid response. Life scriptures, prophetic words. If you're serious about it, the Lord will show you clear on promise. And that clarity... On the other side of that clarity is massive fruitfulness. Father, would you continue to teach us? Would you help us, Lord, to understand who we are in this kingdom? Would you show us, Lord, the way? And I pray, Lord, for everybody who engages this week to try and seek your face. I pray, Lord, for a supernatural clarity to come upon us as a people. I pray, Lord, for a supernatural clarity I pray for encounters this week. I pray for revelations this week. I pray for, Lord, just the visitations of God this week as we chase this down in Jesus' name.